This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. So, Wingstop. You know them, you love them. They have launched a new virtual brand. Thigh Stop. I know. Apparently, they've been a popular takeout dish during the pandemic, and now the strong demand is crashing up against the nationwide chicken shortage. We know that there's a wing shortage, and the prices are flying, right? Wingstop's wholesale prices have risen from as little as 98 cents last year to over $3 now, according to the CEO. So, Thighstop won't just be a departure from Wingstop's namesake business, but the company will use its existing physical restaurants to prepare the meals and the menu will be available online only as Wingstop tries to keep its digital momentum from the pandemic going. Digital sales are now 65% of Wingstop's business and it topped a billion dollars last year. So I will let you know how good they are very, very soon because I got to tell you <laughs> it sounds really really good thighs with some honey barbecue sauce on it oh yeah I'll let you know welcome welcome to chewing the fat we've got to talk about the earthquake that wasn't an earthquake it just felt like an earthquake we've got to talk about that and why it felt like an earthquake and there'll be more of them very very soon but first i want to talk to you about fastgrowingtrees.com now is the time to turn your yard into a paradise you know you've upgraded a few things around the house after you were stuck inside well it makes sense now to turn that yard into a paradise you know it also makes sense the other day we had a big accident in my neighborhood uh, uh out of control driver uh, smashed into a tree and missed the stop sign and then smashed into the neighbor's house. Just incredible. And no one was hurt. But as I'm standing there looking at the damage, I see the tree in the yard, laying in the yard. And I, I, I was up, to, went up to the guy. I was like, you know, you go to fastgrowingtrees.com. They'll get you a replacement real soon. You have that tree back in the ground. No problem. And, uh, he was like, hey, okay, thank you. So skip the big box stores and head to fastgrowingtrees.com. It's the world's largest online nursery. No more waiting in lines, messy cars, digging through a boring, lackluster selection. Just go to fastgrowingtrees.com and choose from thousands of varieties of trees, shrubs, plants, they're expertly curated to thrive in your area and delivered to your door in one or two days. So whether you're looking for shade, privacy, fruit trees, or just add a little color in the yard, every plant is shipped with a well-developed root system ready to explode with new growth. There's a better way to buy trees and shrubs and plants for your home and yard. Fastgrowingtrees.com Planting season is here. Join over 1 million satisfied gardeners at fastgrowingtrees.com. Plus, did I mention the 30-day alive and thrive guarantee? 
No? Well, they have one. A 30-day alive and thrive guarantee. It means your plants will arrive happy, healthy, and ready for planting. No matter where you live or your gardening expertise, fast-growing trees ships directly to you from their selection of thousands of high-quality shrubs, trees, and plants. And I know what you're thinking. Uh, Jeff, I don't have a yard. No problem. With uh, indoor and patio plants like avocados, lemons, and bananas, uh, you'll be growing things just as well as those people with yards. Now, go f- through July 31st, go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Jeffy for 15% off. Now, through July 31st, go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Jeffy. You're going to get 15% off. 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash Jeffy. Fastgrowingtrees.com slash Jeffy, J-E-F-F-Y, fastgrowingtrees.com slash Jeffy. Okay, back to the earthquake that wasn't an earthquake. Okay, that was just the Navy. Yes, the U.S. Navy. The U.S. Navy set off a 40,000-pound explosive charge to just test the new aircraft carrier. That's it. it. The blast was part of shock trials designed to test the ship's combat survivability. The explosive registered a 3.9 on the Richter scale. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an earthquake. Uh, they felt that uh, along the Florida's east coast, so don't worry about it. We're just we're just testing the USS Gerald R. Ford, the first of a new class of advanced aircraft carriers in the Atlantic Ocean. So well, I mean, it's the first of its new class of advanced aircraft carriers. This happened in the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Florida. Um, it was just incredible. Now they know these mines, these naval mines, are usually about 2,000 pounds and can cause damage if detonated close enough to the hull. So the Navy decided to test uh, with uh, almost twice as large as the GBU-43B Massive Ordnance Air Blast. That's kind of like the mother of all bombs. (laughs) So it was just a test. Just don't worry. It was an exper- experimental explosion. That's it. It was it's sure it felt like a little earthquake. Sorry. We're not going to provide you any other information on the explosives or, you know, that we used in the new trials. It was just, we were just testing it out to see, you know, how it went. Okay. We conduct these shock trials of new ship designs using live explosives to confirm that our warships can continue to meet demanding mission requirements under the harsh conditions they might encounter in battle. Huh. Okay, good. So, I mean, that's good, right? I mean, we do want our ships to be ready for battle. No question. We want to be sure that the shock from a nearby ordnance 
detonation will not uh, incapacitate the ship by knocking out critical systems offline, including things from the ship's radar to self-defense systems to its four hefty propellers. Many of the ship's sensitive systems are mounted on coils to withstand blast waves without breaking. The USS Gerald R. Ford was, as the Navy stated recently, designed using advanced computer modeling methods, testing and analysis to ensure the ship is hardened to withstand battle conditions. These shock trials, however, uh, the first involving an aircraft carrier in 34 years, are being conducted to verify that the ship can, in fact, survive the shock of a nearby blast and hold up in com in combat and i will say that this is just a little show off uh, a little to say uh, we're testing our new stuff and just know that we have it rest of the world thinking that you're getting a little bit too big for your britches uh we are still wearing the pants in the family i hope i hope and pray that's the case so i see a headline that says about uh, 70 million people, 70 million Americans, suffer from chronic sleep problems. And this uh, coming from the CDC. And then I'm thinking, well, yeah, I mean, with uh, everybody's schedules and the way things are, you know, we're supposed to have eight hours of sleep every day. You're supposed to go to bed and you're supposed to do this. And you're supposed to go about your day and do everything and have this schedule and that's it. Well, nobody knows you know, when to sleep. And you know what else has affected that? Electricity. (laughs) Man, do I hate electricity. Man, when can we be without electricity? Oh, those days are coming again soon? Oh, don't worry about it. But I was reminded, you know, that reminds me of the study, and I I think we've talked about it before. It was a while ago now, but we talked about the uh, study where the doc, the psychiatrist, took people into a group and put them into darkness for 14 hours every day for a month. It's part of his study. And uh, he said that uh, in this study, it took time to regulate. But by the fourth week, the subject had settled into a very distinct sleeping pattern. They slept first for four hours, then woke up for one or two hours before falling into a second four-hour sleep. And they, you know, Everybody was impressed by that, but they still, you know, are back to their eight hour consecutive days. But remember, we talked about way back, you know, hundreds of years ago where they talked about segmented sleep, right? They had, um, they talked about, there were a number of references in all kinds of uh, books and from church documents that talked about these segmented sleeps and they called it first sleep. And began about two hours after dusk. And then it followed a waking period of one or two hours. And then a second sleep. And it was in all kinds of uh, all kinds of manuals. They talked about most people stayed in bed, read, wrote, often prayed. Countless manuals talked about uh, having special prayers for the hours in between sleeps. And it talked about how it wasn't uh, always solitary they uh, couples got together doctors in uh, a manual from the 16th century talked about how it was best to conceive after the first sleep because there's more enjoyment and it happens better and easier so you don't do it after a long day of work 
and they talked about how um, it people would uh, you know read and couples that's when they would make love and they would have you know tobacco and drink tea or maybe go to a neighbor's and talk and then by the 1920s well even before then in the 17th century it started uh, disappearing uh, because the of through the urban upper classes in northern Europe and then it just filtered down to western society and by the 1920s there was no first or second sleep it was all about uh, sleeping you know eight hours at night and it talked about how street lighting that damn electricity (laughs) and the surge of coffee houses and people were up and so it was very difficult for them to get sleep so it's no surprise that people have this sleep problems, these chronic sleep problems. It's just a matter of, you know, doing what's right for you. And it's, I know it's difficult. I'm with you. I, I want to, you know, if it was up to me, I would do the segmented sleep and have a schedule like that. And it would just seems right. But when you have children and the children have schedules and you have schedules and there's actual electricity in your life so you can stay up and watch television, go to the coffee houses, whatever the case is, you're going to be part of, you know, this, we've got a, now it's bedtime, shut off the lights and go to sleep and you're supposed to get eight hours of sleep. I mean, I've always loved waking up, you know, going that first sleep waking up, getting up for a little bit, and then going back to sleep. It's segmented sleep. I fell into that mode, you know, ages ago. And it's just a, I feel like it's just a normal thing to do. I just started reading this book and I'm hoping to talk to one of the authors. It's called What to Eat When Cookbook. And uh, I'm not, you know, not. we'll see how I like their recipes in the book, but it talks about, uh, you know, he's talking about um, uh, intermittent, fasting but his intermittent fasting is where you would eat during the daylight hours and not eat during the nighttime hours but we still have electricity so i mean maybe we just eat but well i you know i'm going to try to reach out and talk to them and see you know what their what their deal is on that however my point is is that it's not a surprise all of that to say it doesn't really surprise me that all these people and maybe you know you're one of them that suffer from chronic sleep problems and i'd be I'm going to try to find the study from the CDC that talks about these chronic sleep problems because it's going to be interesting to see what they consider chronic sleep problems. If you were to just fall into your own schedule, it might not be a chronic sleep problem. It might just be a, huh, that nasty electricity scheduling problem that you've got. I don't know. Just, just a wandering thought process today. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately in this segmented sleep awake time. That cold drink that I drink is a refreshing cold beverage is good. So Steven Spielberg's production company, Amblin Partners, uh, Amblin Partners, A-M-B-L-I-N Partners, is uh, just working out a new deal with Netflix. 
the company has agreed to produce two or more movies a year. And I'm not sure two or more movies. I mean, if they do two and then maybe they feel like doing three or four, they're going to do that. I'm not sure what the contract says for Netflix, which some of them, I guess, could be directed by Spielberg himself. Maybe that's part of the deal. And according to this, the deal's not going to affect Amblin's current partnership with Universal, to which it supplies three to five movies a year. Wow. Steven, how do you feel? Remember when uh, Steven said, well, you certainly, uh, if it's a good show on one of those streaming platforms, you deserve an Emmy, but not an Oscar. How do you feel about that now, Steve? Uh, this year, uh, remember Netflix, uh, got 36, I think 36 Oscar nominations. Uh, it, was, it was something like that. Pretty close. So, all right, we'll see. I mean, Netflix is talking about releasing 70 movies this year, which, you know, been pretty ambitious, but I love it. Bring it on. And uh, this is, uh, you know, they're streaming to stockpile the most and best content. You know, they're, I mean, hello, you're talking about going up against Hulu and Amazon and HBO and MGM. And I, we'll see. You know, I, we'll see who has the best deals and the best movies. There's so many opportunities out there. So um, we'll see if this deal with Netflix and Spielberg, and it really is the company, not Spielberg, but we'll see if Steven actually does it himself. I mean, he's got more Oscars than anybody, probably. Um, far as that goes and i see where ray donovan i loved ray donovan was like seven seasons six or seven seasons on showtime if you haven't gone through and binged the ray donovan series it is awesome but i see where now they are getting ready to produce the film okay i'm all for it let's go Liv driver returns as ray donovan who else is going to be Ray Donovan? Hello, no one. I mean, I guess you could bring somebody in to play Ray Donovan, but uh, no. <laughs> and are you going to bring back uh, John Voight? I hope so. And bring back so many of the other characters that were in the show. It was awesome. So I know well, they were just announcing that this uh, A.J. McCulka has joined the cast of the Ray Donovan feature-length film, but they've got to bring back the, some of the bigger characters. I don't care how much it costs, right? I mean, those characters are part of the show, and you can't not do it without Liv Schreiber. Now, that's clear. That cannot happen. Anyway, that'll be great when it comes out. I'll be looking forward to it and give you a review here on Chewing the Fat, and you'll definitely get the reviews on my you know, social media accounts, uh, Twitter, at JeffyJFR, Facebook, and Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio, and I uh, haven't been over to Parlor in a while. I guess it still exists. That's Jeff Fisher Radio on Parlor as well. Did you see where the third largest diamond in, has been unearthed? And no, it wasn't unearthed at the Arkansas Diamond Mine. Remember, they had, uh, I don't know, 2.20 carats found in the park uh, last year, I think. And then a couple of years ago, I think they found a nine carat diamond at the crater of Diamond State Park. Nope. This was in Botswana. Yes, Botswana. So if you want to go hunting for diamonds for big ones, maybe you go to Botswana. 
<laughs> they clocked in at 1,098 carats. It's the third largest diamond and the biggest one discovered since 2015. So the one in 2015 was 1,109 carats. There was a little larger one found in 1905, 3,106 carat diamond found. This one, pff, 1,098 carats, nothing. I don't even know what it's worth, neither do they. They're saying that it, uh, it's estimated you know, between the size and everything, uh, there was one found in 2015 that was pretty close. I mean, they're pretty close to the same size that sold for $53 million. And that was just a little bit larger than the one found the other day in Botswana. So, I mean, okay, you know what? 50 million. I'm good. You know, I don't, you know, I don't want to have to outdo the one found in 2015 far be it from me to say mine's bigger i just you know 50 million and i'm good <laughs> i mean go ahead if the 2015 guy wants to say yeah mine's bigger yep you're right it is <laughs> just give me 50 million and i'm good okay speaking of 50 million oh i'm sorry i meant 60 million uh the call her daddy podcast apparently just inked the deal with Spotify for $60 million. We've talked about uh, the Call Her Daddy podcast before because remember the two girls, two adult female lady co-hosts, uh, broke up. Right, They got into a big fight and Sophia Franklin uh, left. It was on Barstool Sports. And so she has started her own podcast called uh sophia with an f okay but she didn't ink the new deal with spotify yet uh but alex cooper did and apparently it's a three-year deal worth 60 million dollars okay as she captioned uh, a move on her instagram post saying a new season new home new episode c-u-f Dash dash curs at midnight. <laughs> congratulations. Uh, congratulations. I know she's been in a fight with Barstool over money and the deal. And so Spotify was like, you know, we can do it and you can have $60 million. Um, okay. No problem. I'm happy to do that. So all the past episodes will be available on the new home and whatever comes next. Okay, I guess she's going to do exclusive deal with Spotify and there's going to be more content coming, maybe some different content. We'll see. There's exclusive new projects being in development. Uh-huh. We'll see how those new projects pan out. It is the largest exclusive Spotify has ever made for a woman led show. So congratulations, Alex. Good for you. If you're getting paid for it, then that's what your podcast is worth. And good luck. God bless. And while 60 million is good, how about a trillion? I <laughs> How about a trillion? So a guy by the name of Chris Williamson, 
invested $20 in a cryptocurrency called Rocket Bunny. And uh, he woke up one morning, looked at his phone to check his investment and found he was a trillionaire. And he said, I look at it again and I'm like, at that point I fall out of bed. I run to my desk and I'm logging into the Coinbase app and I'm talking to my friends. I got them on the phone. I'm like, dude, you need to help me figure out how to sell this now. (laughs) No uh, kidding. He said he attempted to move the cryptocurrency to another wallet, uh, but it wasn't showing the same price. Uh, Yeah. He then contacted Coinbase, which said, uh, yeah, we're looking into the issue. And then he reached out to Rocket Bunny, never heard back. And of course, right now he has his account frozen. He can't withdraw, purchase, or trade, waiting to hear back from the company. He reached out to Elon for help. Elon, he never heard anything back from Elon. So, you know, he doesn't even know if Elon actually saw his post. He pretty much knows that it's, you know, not real. But he did say he would, you know, if he had that kind of money, he would help people, especially his family members. Uh, he came across as, uh, you know, believable. And he knows that when you look at it, there's no way he's ever going to get that amount of money. And a friend of his bought the same exact coin, but didn't experience the same windfall. So it's got to be a mistake. But how about waking up to being a trillionaire, Right. You got to sell it right then. I mean, that's what they come after. We talk about it all the time, going into bank accounts, right? And taking the money. They just busted the people in Pennsylvania for doing the very same thing. Then we have a Largo woman in Florida, Largo, Florida. In fact, I used to uh, live in Largo, Florida. Well, Seminole, Florida right there. And uh, she discovered, uh, went up to her bank account and discovered that she had almost a billion dollars into her account. <laughs> uh, she had $999,985,855.94 in her account. She said she went to withdraw some money and she wanted to check her balance first. So the bank receipt that she received said that she had that in her account. And she said, oh my gosh, I just wanted 20 bucks. When I put in for the 20 bucks, the machine came back and said, we'll give you the 20, but that'll cause an overdraft and you'll be charged. And I said, just forget it. So it says you have $999,985,855.94 in your account. But if it gives you $20, it's going to charge you an overdraft fee. That does seem to be an issue with the machine, doesn't it? But, I mean, if you could get some of that money out, of course you wouldn't do it. That's illegal and you could be in big trouble because it's not your money. Don't ever forget that, okay? Man, it'd be so hard not to take. So our friends over at Wallet Hub have released their 2021's most patriotic states in America. And, uh, okay. In order to determine where Americans have the most red, white, and blue pride, Wallet Hub compared the states across 13 key indicators of patriotism. 
So the data set ranges from the state's military enlistees and veterans to the share of adults who voted in the 2020 presidential election to AmeriCorps volunteers per capita. And that goes on with the civic engagement, you know, who voted, who voted in the primaries, volunteer hours, trial and grand jury participation, who share of residents who participate in groups or organizations. And the military, of course, is share of civilian adult population and military reserves, active duty military personnel per 100,000, veterans per 1,000 civilian adults, average military enlistees. Uh, so, you know, you have that. Now, they list the uh, states in order as the most patriotic Yay. Now, you know, should I give you the, should we go from the, the bottom to the top or the top to the bottom? That's what she said. <laughs> oh man, I kill me. So in the middle, uh, number 25 is uh, North Carolina. I know. You think, wait, what, North Carolina 25? Yeah, that probably sounds right. So let's get down here to the bottom, shall we? And it's a little surprising, actually, to me. Uh, the least patriotic state, New York. I don't know that that's actually surprising. But 49th, Florida. I know, right? Michigan is 47. You think, okay. A great state of Texas. 41st. 41st? Come on now. Pennsylvania's 35th. I'm a little ticked at Florida ranking so far down. Well, let's go. We go to the top 10. Coming in at number 10, Virginia. Coming in at number 9, Oregon. Number 8, Minnesota. Number 7, Wyoming. Number 6, North Dakota. Now, you know, those states, Wyoming and North Dakota, don't necessarily surprise me because it's per capita. So, I mean, nobody's living there. Uh, number five, New Hampshire. Number four, Vermont. Number three, Maryland. Uh, I mean, there's military. Number two, Alaska. Again, nobody living there. And number one, coming in at number one... Drum roll, please. Oh, wait, no drum roll. All right, fine. Montana, the great state of Montana. Number one, the most patriotic state in the United States of America. Huh. Okay, if you say so. They came in 22nd in military engagement and number one in civic engagement. Alaska which was number two on the most patriotic state in the U.S. list, uh, came in number one in military engagement and 19th in civic engagement. So it would almost appear that Alaska should be number one. But, you know, whatever. I'm not wallet hub. And really, I'm really ticked at Florida. Florida came in 19th in military engagement and 50th last in civic engagement. And Texas was what 41st I said right they came in ninth in military 49th wow in civic engagement huh 
That seems a little strange. Just a little strange. But hey, nothing says like the good old red, white, and blue than Montana. I'm sure they are. Just nobody lives there. And speaking of the least patriotic state in the United States, uh, New York, the New York City has their big Democratic primary today. If you're listening live, today is the 22nd of June, 6-22-2021. 13 candidates on the ballot for the Democratic primary. It's the biggest field in the city's history. And so we'll see how it turns out. I mean, you have, uh, you know, the Brooklyn Borough President, Eric Adams, former Sanitation Commissioner, Catherine Garcia, the Andrew Yang, uh, former presidential candidate, tech entrepreneur, former Citigroup exec, exec Ray McGuire. So, and it's the first time that the primary is going to utilize the ranked choice voting. So I think think I kind of like that, but I'm not sure. And I know it kind of sounds good to me, but the ranked choice voting means that instead of checking one name off on the ballot, the voters will be able to put down up to five voting preferences ranked. So who you think is number one, who you think is number two, and so on. So, I mean, if enough people pick uh, number two, number two could be the winner, right? I, I don't know. It sounds good to me. I don't know that it's going to end up being good. Now, probably the winner of the Democratic primary is going to be the next mayor. I mean, uh, you know, Democrats, I'm vastly, I'm sure, outnumber Republicans in NYC. And you've had Mayor de Blasio, a communist, posing as a Democrat. He's term limited out. I'm surprised he didn't change the law so that he could last longer. That surprises me. I'm not sure what communist job he's going to have next, but... Well, can't wait, can't wait to find out what Mayor de Blasio is going to be doing. I know they're, you know, I don't know if they need money or not. It appears that the wife took a bunch of money. So I'm sorry. No, they just can't account for those big chunks of money. That's it. I'm not saying she took it. There's no evidence that she took it. They just, they just can't account for it. (laughs) That's it. Wow. It's just an accounting error is all. Oh, and I mentioned yesterday that it was Prime Day these last two days. So today is, uh, you know, obviously the last day of Prime Day, the 22nd of June. And we also talked about Walmart and Kohl's having all started offering mega deals of their own to not go up against Amazon, of course. They're just coinciding with Prime Day. And we mentioned Target. Well, you know, Target having their target deal days which i'm sure is not going up against amazon (laughs) don't be stupid they're just coinciding with each other however i look at uh, target deal days and they have their little post for find bright summer suits for the family perfect for any sunny day of play and this was put out on their target verified twitter account and they have a rotating pictures of people in swimsuits and it's nice of target to show you all the beautiful people in swimsuits and now i will say that it's a little disheartening that the well the most overweight person in the photo is a white female there's a young black man a young black girl a black lady of 
looks like some sort of Asian descent male. They, I don't know if the little girl is black or if she's some sort of uh, other, you know, I don't know, South American descent. But uh, the person who looks, I don't know, the new beautiful. It's not bad because you can't be overweight and uh, bad. You're just, it's the new beautiful, is the white girl. The white lady is uh, in the swimsuit. I'm not saying that's bad. <laughs> I just find it entertaining that that's the person you choose to have overweight on your ad is the white person. It's just me. I guess it's just me. I'ma smack you with a fake hair like a tranny bia. <laughs> that from Billie Eilish uh, on uh, July 25th 2009 I know that she is uh, under fire now and she's apologized of course she has on this uh, video that was released with been an edited compilation video in which she appears to say offensive terms featured in the Tyler created 2011 song fish and there's plenty more uh, tweets and things that she has said and, and it's pretty fascinating to watch this minute video but she said I love you guys and many of you have been asking me to address this and this is something I want to be addressed because I'm being labeled something that I am not um, there's a video edit um, when she was 13 or 14 in which she mouthed the word from a song at a time and you know I guess I didn't know it was a derogatory term oh oh okay I'm appalled and embarrassed and I want to barf that I ever mouthed along to that word <laughs> this song was the only time I'd ever heard that word as it was never used around me by anyone in my family regardless of my ignorance and age at the time nothing excuses the fact that it was hurtful and for that I am sorry <sighs> you know what about the other video though Billy you know the other video that and the, shows the tweets and the mocked clips of you speaking gibberish that uh, certainly looks like you were mocking Asian people oh no oh no 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 that is something I started doing as a kid and I've done my whole life when I was talking to my pets my friends and my family it's just absolute gibberish and it's just me goofing around and is in no way an imitation of anyone or any language accent or culture in the slightest <sighs> these rumors about me being racist are breaking my heart I just it just does what about the rumors of your boyfriend who's a racist homophobe what about those rumors Billy <sighs> well I just want you to know that we all need to continue having conversations and listening and learning and I hear you and I love you and thank you for taking time to read this oh okay well no problem Billy I mean this is the world that you live in and world that you and your friends have created so have at it it's all yours and I see where oh oh Chrissy Teigen you know where you love her uh, she now uh, is stepping away from safely 
<laughs> uh, they uh, posted this on uh, Get Safely, their verified account. Um, Chrissy will be stepping away from Safely to take much needed time to focus on herself and be with her family. We fully support her decision and are so thankful for her contributions. The brand will continue to move forward and focus on our important mission of bringing high-quality, hard-working cleaning products to all American households. Right. <laughs> uh, see you later, Chrissy. We don't want anything to do with you. Uh, we're done with you. Uh, sure, you've got that cyberbullying scandal going on. That's it, though. You've already apologized for it. We know. Uh, we know you started this with uh, Jenner. They launched this brand collaboration with Good American co-founder and CEO Emma Greed. And uh, it's it's just everybody trying to say, hey, uh, you know, maybe we don't want anything to do with her right now. I mean, after, especially after she told uh, Courtney Stoddard to kill herself. You know, that's all. <laughs> uh, don't worry about those other victims. You know, Lindsay Lohan and Farrah Abraham. Farrah Abraham, teen mom, who Tegan called a whore. Don't worry about that. So, I mean... She's done at Bloomingsdale's, Macy's, and Targets have all parted ways with her. She was dropped out of Netflix, Never Have I Ever. Uh, Chrissy, it's time for you to just go away. Now, she claims that the fashion designer, Michael Costello, who claimed to be one of Tegan's victims, saying that uh, she said that, uh, where it was said that she said, racist people like you deserve to suffer and die. You might as well be dead. Your career is over. Just watch. Um, and he said that he suffered suicidal thoughts from that. Deacon has said that's all fake. That's all made up. She never said it. She never typed it. It's not her. Okay. Well, you know what? I believe you. But that doesn't get you off the hook for the rest of it. So have a nice day. Take care. John will support you. And I'm sure you've made enough money now for a while. So... Good luck, God bless, Chrissy. Good luck, God bless. Oh, good news coming from Facebook. They are clarifying satire in community standards. So they're developing a framework for assessing humor. That is so nice of them. We need Facebook to decide what's funny and what's not for us. Don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. Uh-huh, that's what we need them to tell us that. Now, the social media platform uh, has listed a range of recommendations given by the Oversight Board, which, I mean, who doesn't love their Oversight Board? The first recommendation, which Facebook is implementing fully, involved adding the satire exception which is currently not communicated to users in the public language of the hate speech community standard. The second such recommendation is assessing its feasibility it involves making sure that Facebook has adequate procedures in place to assess satirical content and relevant context properly, including by providing content moderators with additional resources. They're committing to provide regional and escalation teams the availability to evaluate content for satire through a new satire framework <laughs> we also are assessing how to apply this review at scale 
Yeah, that's probably a good idea. The company then referenced the implementation of a new satire framework which will be used for evaluating potential satire exceptions. Regional teams will be able to provide satire assessments as well as escalate pieces of content to specialized teams for additional review when necessary. So if someone complains that they think what you posted isn't funny, then they'll just go ahead and pull it. And they'll make sure that it reaches the special satire assessment regional team. And they'll see if they're going to allow it or not. It's humor and satire and, and intent is the key. Is it? What the intent is, how about we just let it go? How about we just let people say what they want to say? And then we'll decide what's funny or not. Nope. Not having that. Not having any of that. Okay? Sorry. Not happening. I know. I know. I know. I want Facebook to be able to tell me what's fun. I want them to... You know, let me know that the context-specific nature of satire is what they think it is. And we're not immediately able to scale this kind of assessment or additional consultation to our content moderators. Oh, okay, yeah, you're going to need time to assess the potential trade-offs between identifying and escalating more content that may qualify for our satire exception against prioritizing escalations for the highest severity policies, increasing the amount of content that would be escalated and potentially slower review times among our content moderators. What the hell does that even mean? You know what that means? If it gets pulled, we'll decide if it goes back up again and if we, if it's funny or not, if it's satire, or if we get to snap a big satire stamp over the top of it so people know that it's satire. No, it's not, Facebook. Pull it down. We shouldn't even have to see it, even with satire stuck on top of it. That's all that is. And it's, it's going to be up to you to go against Facebook. They'll pull it and say, eh, if you think it uh, should be back up, let us know. Just like they do now. <laughs> you fight for your content. So you post a stupid thing that you think is funny. And I mean, do you really want to go through all that time fighting for a meme? You probably should, right? I mean, you probably absolutely should. I know that's what they were talking about, right? Because that's what started all this was because the appeal by someone on Facebook regarding the con uh, the comment with a meme depicting Turkey having to choose between the Armenian genocide is a lie and the Armenians were terrorists who deserved it and that got pulled down and the oversight button the oversight committee uh, was ooh yeah no you had put that back up and so now we need to have uh, you know that case by case. <laughs> we need to, you know, we welcome uh, anything from the oversight board. And this is a case by case basis. So now we're just going to go ahead and make sure that we clarify our satire and community standards, developing that framework for assessing humor. Ugh, we are in, we are in so much trouble on these social media platforms. I don't know what to tell you. I know that. There's plenty of new stuff coming from all kinds of social media platforms. We'll get into that tomorrow because they just launched this live audio rooms and they're trying to fight Clubhouse and Twitter spaces. Uh, we'll see. There's some news on Spotify and we'll get into that tomorrow because that's a, uh, a deep dive 
into some of the new things that are happening in the social media account world. And it'll make you want to, well, be thankful. Be thankful that you're not the one getting the $60 million contract with Spotify because it's just too much work. You don't want that. You don't want that. All right. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. You can get a hold of me on any of the platforms, social media platforms that we mentioned throughout the show, or you can always email me at chewingthefat at theblaze.com. Oh.